Hello, everybody. This is Mrs. G's Storytime, and we are reading Tanglewood's Secret by Patricia Sanjan, by permission of Moody Publishing Company. And we are reading Chapter 12, A Visit to the Vicarage. The rest of the holiday passed too quickly, for it was too much to do. The doctor came to see us the next day, and as soon as we heard his car stop, we flung ourselves out of the gate and nearly knocked him over in our eagerness to hear the news. "'Steady!' exclaimed Dr. Patterson, catching us both by the collar. "'If you knock me out, I shan't be able to tell you anything.' Terry was alive, he told us, and he had hurt his, his back and his head very badly indeed and would be in the hospital for many weeks. His mother was with him nearly all the time now, but as soon as he was a little better, he would probably be moved to another hospital, a special hospital for people with broken bones.' We could not go and visit him because it was too far away, but we should probably be able to write him in a few weeks' time. This was quite enough to stop us worrying and make us happy again. Terry was alive and being looked after, and he would certainly get better soon. We told ourselves just as we had always got better in time from measles and colds and tummy aches. So we settled down to enjoy the last few days of the holiday as much as we could. We decided that we must pay one last visit to each of our friends. So Philip went to call on the Birdman, and I was taken down to see the Moorhen's nest, and I paid a visit to Mr. Mr. Tandy in the sheepfolds. The last day of all, we had decided to visit Mr. Robinson, and we set out about half past three, because I'm afraid we thought it would be rather nice to arrive about tea time. The village lay at the bottom of the hill, and we marched in the vicarage gate, very sure of a welcome. Mr. Robinson was in his shirt sleeves mowing the lawn and recognized me at once. He seemed delighted to see us both, and he did not even ask us if we would stay for tea. He simply said, you both arrived at just the right moment. We had a lovely tea. Mr. and Mrs. Robinson sat in deck chairs, and we sat on a rug and ate a tremendous lot. And then we both told Mr. Robinson all about our special secret while Mrs. Robinson went in to see the to the twins. He was so pleased. His face looked just like Mr. Tandy's when I told him. He then talked to us about the importance of reading our Bibles. We'll do it together, I said eagerly. I think it'll be fun to choose the verses, don't you, Philip? At that moment, Mrs. Robinson appeared at the window wearing an apron. Twins bedtime, Ruth, she called. Do you want to come and watch? I jumped up. Will you excuse me, please, Mr. Robinson? I inquired a a little worriedly, for I did not want him to think I was being rude. Certainly, he replied. You go and help Mum. She'll be glad to have a helper. Philip and I will stay here a little longer and do some more talking. We ran across the lawn and into the vicarage. The twins were crawling around on the carpet while their mother collected their night things. They were ten months old and very lively. And I, who had never had anything to do with babies, thought I'd never seen anything so wonderful. I spent a wonderful half hour. Once they were safely in the big bath, Mrs. Robinson let me soap their plump little bodies and pour the water all over them. Then they sailed a yellow sponge duck, and the twins screamed with laughter and beat the water with their fat hands. I was allowed to sprinkle the the baby powder over them and when they were safely in their nightclothes, I was given a soft little brush with which I brushed their hair up and upon end. It was not until their mother was tucking them firmly into their cots that 
I noticed the picture that hung on the wall behind them. It was another picture of a good shepherd, but it was different from mine. This shepherd was standing by a lake at evening time with his hand stretched out to bless the little lambs that stood beside him and lay asleep at his feet. Why, I cried, cried joyfully, pointing up at it. I've got a good shepherd picture too, but it's not like that. My sheep is on a cliff. I know your picture, answered Mrs. Robinson, and I love it very much. Later I shall show it to, to the twins, but they're not old enough to understand anything about cliffs yet. I like to think that all through the night when I'm asleep, the good shepherd is looking after my babies for me. So I put that picture there to remind me. And whenever I look at it, I remember that they are certainly safe. I stared at the twins. They had both fallen fast asleep instantly, and Janet had curled herself up and stuffed two fingers into her mouth. Robin lay with his back with his arms thrown out on a pillow and his cheeks all warm and pink. I nestled up to Mrs. Robinson and looked at her in the face. She was quite young, with pretty hair and sparkly eyes, and I thought secretly that I should like her to be my mother. Can I come again, I whispered. Of course you can, she replied. You can come the Saturday after next if your aunt will let you. I'll write and ask her. I expect you, you have a holiday on Saturday. We'll take them out in the pram, and then you can help me help me give them their supper and put them to bed. It's a great treat for me to have a nanny, and I can see that you're handy with babies. I blushed with pride and slipped my hand into hers. I couldn't exactly have Mrs. Robinson for a mother, but perhaps in time I might become sort of an older sister to the twins. I went back to the garden and found Mr. Robinson and Philip still talking seriously. I wanted to get back and ask Aunt about Saturday, and I was extra pleased when the vicar said that Philip could come too and help him in the garden, and we'd all have tea together. We got back in good time for supper, and I ran straight off to my aunt. Auntie, I cried, hopping on one foot. Mrs. Robinson has invited me to tea with her next Saturday, and her babies, and I can push the pram, and I can put them to bed. I can go, can't I? Do say yes. My aunt looked rather annoyed. Who is this Mrs. Robinson, Ruth? She asked rather coldly. You're not to visit people without asking me first. I've never heard of the lady. Oh, she's quite right, Auntie, I assured her anxiously. She's, she's, she's a very nice lady indeed, a, a clergyman's wife at the fair, fairways, and she's going to write you. I should hope so, said my aunt, but I'm afraid the answer will have to be no this time. Miss Montgomery called this afternoon to say that her little niece is coming to stay and I said that you would go and play with her that afternoon. I'm sorry that you, you should be disappointed, but perhaps this Mrs. Robinson will invite you on another day. If she really is the wife of the vicar of Fair, Fairways, I don't mind you going. I have heard they are very nice people. I flung into a rage at once. But, Andy, I stormed. You know I hate going to tea with Miss Montgomery, and I hate Juliana Montgomery, and she's like a little white mouse. She doesn't know how to play anything nice, and we have to sit indoors and play dominoes, and I hate dominoes. Oh, please, Auntie, say I needn't go. I, I told Mrs. Robinson I could come. You had no business telling Mrs. Robinson, replied my aunt sharply. I've never heard such nonsense. You are never to accept invitations without my permission. And stand still while you talk. You're making me quite dizzy. 
I thoroughly lost my temper by this time and was nearly crying with disappointment. I won't go, I shouted. I shall go where I like. I told Mrs. Robinson I'd come and I shall jolly well go and you won't stop me. My aunt looked hard up, took hard on my, my arm. Go straight to bed, she said firmly. Don't let me hear any more of this rudeness. I thought you were going to try and improve, but this does not look like improvement at all. Off you go. I shook myself free and marched off with my head in the air. I don't care, I mumbled, mumbled over my shoulder and slammed the door behind me as hard as I could. But I did care, very much indeed. Almost before I reached the top of the stairs, I'd realized what I'd done, and by the time I crept into bed, I thought my heart was breaking. I curled up in a ball, buried my head in the pillow, and sobbed and sobbed. I had forgotten to listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd. Perhaps he would never speak to me again. Perhaps he would stop loving me. Perhaps I should even stop belonging to him. And then there would be no one to help me to be good. Oh, why hadn't I waited and listened? Ruth, what's the matter? You mustn't cry like this. I had been sobbing so bitterly that I never heard my aunt come in. I turned around quickly and tried to stop crying but I did not really want her to see how sorry I was. She was sitting by my bed, and she had a glass of milk and a plate of biscuits in her hand. What is the matter, Ruth? she asked again, and her voice was rather worried, for she had never seen me cry like that before. I tried to answer in my ordinary voice, but I could not manage it. I buried my head afresh in the pillow and began crying again. I did not want to tell her, but I suddenly thought that she may be able to answer my questions, and I wanted to know the answer so badly, and then I blurted it all out. It's the shepherd, I sobbed. I lost my temper, and perhaps I shan't belong to him any more. Oh, Auntie, do you think I shall be ever able to come back to him if I'm good next time? I lifted up my face in eagerness to hear her answer, but she was staring at me as if I had lost my senses. "'What are you talking about, Ruth?' she asked hopelessly. "'I dived for the chair and found my picture in my Bible "'and pulled it out and held it in front of her "'with a great sniff and a gulp. "'That,' I answered. "'You see, I was his sheep and I forgot to listen. "'Perhaps he'll never speak to me again "'because I lost my temper so badly. "'Do you think, Auntie, he'd love me just this once?' "'My aunt was staring very hard at the picture "'and she didn't speak for a long time.' Who gave you this picture, Ruth? she asked at last. Mr. Robinson, I replied. He told me all about it. Do you know the story, don't you, Auntie? Do you think he will, Auntie, if I never, never do it again? She was still staring at the picture, and the answer was a long time coming. Auntie, I whispered impatiently, giving her arm a little shake. Do you think he might? If you're really sorry for being naughty and are determined to try and be different, I'm quite sure God will forgive you. You had better ask him. My aunt stayed with me while I had my milk and biscuits, but we said little. When I had finished, she kissed me goodnight and left me very sleepy and quite comforted. Before I fell asleep, I buried my face in the pillow again and said a prayer for forgiveness to the Good Shepherd, who knew, who I knew cared equally for lost lambs sleeping babies, and bad little girls. Tomorrow is We Get a Letter, Chapter 13. 
I love you and I'm praying for you. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.